Choki, and I will read, uh, do the Bible reading today. I will read out of Isaiah 43, um, the whole uh, chapter, and the words will be on the screen as well. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name, oh, sorry, you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume me. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I, gave, I give Egypt as your ransom, cash and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes, who are deaf, yet have ears. All the nations gather together, and the people assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right. And let them hear and say, it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord. And beside me, there is no savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you were my witnesses, declares the Lord. And I am God. Also, henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work. I work. And who can turn it back? Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives even the Chaldeans, in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, you, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord. Who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters? Who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior? They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it, now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the, in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to drink, to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed myself, that they might declare my, my praise. Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been wary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offering or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with my offerings or wearied you with frankincense. You have not bought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, I am He, who blots out your transgressions for my own sakes. 
for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in, re- in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be provide, proved right. For first fathers, your first father sinned, and your mediators transgressed, transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the, the princes of the sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to, to, and Israel to reviling. This is the word of God. Thank you, Shoki, for the Bible reading. Good evening, church. Um, it is lovely to be here. Um, please keep your Bibles open there uh, to that passage that Shoki read for us. It is a joy to be together, isn't it? Remember 2020 when we thought we were going to die? We didn't. We're here. God is good, isn't he? God is good, isn't he? I, like, I was scared at that stage. Um, and as we start off the new year, just as uh, God has said, I just want to point out a few things um, that next week we kick starting that new series, which is titled Anthems of the Age, um, Ages. So just remember that for the morning service and the evening service, we're doing a different uh, song. So can I encourage you to attend both? We're going to keep the evening service one a secret. Uh, so you'd have to find out what song we're doing. Uh, but in the morning, they're doing One Republic. And the idea behind that is that we engage with the message of the songs in our culture uh, so that um, the, because they are a window into what people think and what they aspire to. And we're going to find out how the gospel message applies to that. Um, either it challenges it or engages with it or provides the answers uh, of some of the deep longings that our cultures have. Uh, so this is an awesome series to to come to. Um, Brayden will be kick-starting in the morning service uh, with the One Republic song. Uh, you can just go check out that those lyrics. If you forgot which song it is, pick up a leaflet there and um, encourage somebody to come with you um, to to church. I'm going to pray for us that God will help us as we get into Isaiah uh, 43, and as we think about uh, God and who he is and who, what he means, what that means for us uh, as we start off the new year. So please bow your heads as I lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for these songs that we sang uh, that uh, glorify your name. Uh, we thank you for how majestic you are and how throughout history you've been at work and how even in 2023 you're still at work. Father, we pray that we would taste something of that work in our lives as we engage with the scriptures this year, as we engage with our life groups, uh, as we come to church and give ourselves um, to hear your word. I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and our eyes to see and to hear you. This evening, I pray that we would see Jesus. Uh, as he's expounded in the scriptures, that even as we come to the Lord's table, uh, that this same Jesus may be magnified, and that we would step out in faith as we remember all that he has done for us. Uh, so please, anoint the preaching of your word uh, through Christ our Lord, we ask. Amen. Um, there is something about uh, new seasons and the rhythms that we have in um, our lives, isn't there? At the start of a new year is part of those rhythms. Um, on the simple level, it just means we went uh, three, is it 360 around 
uh, the sun. We just made one uh, turn around the sun. The psalmist says that God has appointed those um, those seasons uh, that he set the moon uh, to mark the seasons of our lives. Um, I grew up in a culture where you actually could see that there's different uh, seasons. It wasn't so much so that we ate cabbage at the beginning of the year, which was part of the the, the, the mark of the season. Uh, in January, uh, times are tough. Uh, you eat cabbage. Uh, but one of the things was that we lived according to the rain seasons. So you knew that there was a time to plant. There was uh, in um, within our rhythm a time to plant and then you knew uh, that at the beginning of the year, it was time to harvest and enjoy all that you had planted. Uh, so those were the rhythms. We live in Midrand, suburban Midrand. Uh, and so the rhythms look a bit different. Uh, you all are going back to your kind regards. Uh, if you are not back there yet, uh, those are the joys uh, that we have, isn't it? We pray for jobs and uh, God has given them to us. Uh, and as you start off the year, it seems like in as much as you know that it's the same job, it's the same life that you're leading uh, from last year, there is a sense in which it feels like it is something new, isn't it? Uh, that this new year is bringing about uh, good things, and I do hope that it brings good things for you. Uh, for parents, it's time to restart that um, process of dropping the kids off. Uh, every morning, struggling, fighting to put on shoes so that we can make it to school on time. Such are the rhythms um, of our lives. Um, we'll see uh, soon enough, UJ, there'll be a queue outside. <laughs> All those who didn't register for their um, varsity, finish metric, a new season brings about new things, um, and it is... Something that is instilled by God, I think, within um, within our world that we live in such rhythms. And there's something of uh, hope, a strong hope, that this year will be different than the last year. Of course, if you're pessimist, you'll say, nah, it will probably be the same. Um, but nonetheless, I think God gives us the new year to kind of reset and to have a new rhythm and a new hope for the year. But I think if we're Christian, there's much deeper hopes that we have as Christians. Not only do we look at creation and the seasons that God has put in our, in place, uh, but there is greater hope that we have in God. We don't just hope in the seasons and the new year, but we hope in the God who makes all things new. A God who makes things new. And that's our topic for uh, this evening, uh, a God who makes uh, things new, and particularly focusing in on verse 18 and, and 19, uh, as we see God speaking to people who are going through a tough season uh, and reminding them that he's about to bring a new thing, a new season of hope in, in their lives. So as Christians, let for 2023, let our hope not be in the new year. Uh, but let our hope be in the God who creates new things, the God who makes new things. And two things that we're going to see in Isaiah 43, I do hope that you still have it open there with you, is two things that God makes new. Um, one is that he gives us new hope, or he gives his people new hope when times get tough. Uh, he gives people new hope when time gets tough. And then the second thing, he gives us a clean slate in spite of our mess up. 
So two things. One is that he gives us new hope when times get tough, and we're going to see uh, from our text what was happening uh, to God's people then. And then secondly, he gives us a clean slate uh, when we mess up, uh, when his people mess up. One of the things that we're going to see from Isaiah, in as much as it's written to a people who lived so many years ago, is that it reveals to us the kind of God that um, of the Christian story, the kind of God um, uh, that we that is unique to not just Israel but to to Christians. So what we're going to do is we're going to first have to understand what Isaiah was saying to those people that he was writing to before we begin to understand the relevance that that has on our lives. So the new hope that he gives his people uh, when they're going through tough times and then a clean slate that he gives them when they have messed up and they they messed up. They continue to um, to mess up. Uh, so that's firstly, let's look at um, the God who gives... Um, Gives us new hope when times are tough. Have a look at uh, verses 1 there. But now, but now. Uh, normally, when you see but now, obviously, um, it's reflecting back on what he has said before. And if you read uh, chapter 42, you'll see that Isaiah the prophet outlines the sins of uh, the people of God. Uh, to 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 them, uh, verse eighteen. He calls them uh, deaf people who have shut their ears um, to hearing God. They are blind people who do not see. Uh, and every time the Bible speaks about deaf people who have ears but cannot hear, uh, blind people who have eyes but cannot see, the Bible is referring to God's people, which is the Israelites, that community uh, that lived in Palestine many years ago. Uh, and it's referring to their attitude and their posture uh, towards their God. The very same God who rescued them from Egypt, brought them into a prosperous life and a prosperous land in um, and settled them in Jerusalem. Their attitude is that of shutting him out um, of the picture. And so the prophets are kind of you wouldn't invite a prophet to your church, right? <laughs> These are guys who would come and uh, say things that were not nice to God's people that you guys have messed up. You guys have eyes, but you cannot see. You have ears, but you cannot hear. You cannot see and perceive the kind of God who has been with you throughout. And that's what uh, verse 42 speaks about, the servant of God, Israel, that has turned away uh, from uh, from God. But now, but now God is about to do something, something in spite of his, the sins of his people. Let me look at verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. These are the ways of hope when times are difficult. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And notice uh, the kind of things that they are going through, the tough times that they are going through. Verse uh, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So he's calling them to not fear, but because he's going to be with them. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, it shall not be burned. I don't know if you've ever had sermons like that. Uh, when they're promising you uh, such things, um, 
if you are a prophet from Pretoria, you'd even start a fire and say, I can walk through this fire and not be burned. And I don't think that's what the prophet is saying to these people in particular. The prophet is giving them hope in a hopeless uh, situation. Uh, The prophet is promising them of the Lord's presence in their life, even though times are tough. Despite their sin, despite their brokenness, and despite them rejecting God continually, but now God is going to act, and he's going to be with them as they go through those difficulties. Uh, Verse 3, for I am the Lord, Yahweh your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Shiva, and in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes. Uh, this is uh, how God speaks about a people who have rejected him, uh, that they are precious in his eyes. And honored, I lo- and I love you. I give men in return for you, people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west, and I will gather you. Uh, fear, fear not. That's the repeated phrase that you hear in those five verses. Um, if you went to any church with a guy, a pastor with a white suit uh, and pointy shoes, you would have heard something like this, uh, that there's more than 365 fear not in the Bible. Amen, Bazalwani. One for every day of your life. And I haven't counted them. So I don't know if that is, that is true. Um, but I think the reality is this, uh, that for God's people, there comes times when fear creeps in. Uh, there comes time in the lives of the Israelites, in the life of Christians, when fear kicks in. The reason why the Bible would say fear not is because there's situations in life that cause uh, for fear. And for God's people, this was a looming reality. For God's people, this is a hope they needed to hear because times were tough. Uh, Times were tough uh, for these people. Um, In Isaiah, in fact, you would realize that the reason why Isaiah writes this prophecy, um, chapters 1 to 39, uh, there's actually a crisis. Uh, The Assyrian army is on the door and is about to invade God's people. In fact, they take half of God's people into exile. And then from chapters 40 onwards, another superpower, the Babylonians, uh, pull up to the shore uh, and they are about to overwhelm God's people. Uh, I cannot imagine or begin to imagine what the situation looks like for them. Um, It's a Ukraine kind of situation where life is normal on the one day and then suddenly there's an invasion and life as they knew it was different. And so the, as prophet Isaiah speaks to them in that situation, uh, tells them the reason for why they find themselves in exile. Um, they are taken away from their homes. Um, and the hope uh, that God will restore them despite their sins. One commentator says this about um, the situation that uh, as I write into the crisis that he writes into, he says the crisis of those years were of the magnitude that would have tested even the most robust and secure of communities. But the Jewish community of the latter half of the sixth century, which is the time that Isaiah is um, prophesying, was neither robust 
no secure. Uh, so this is a society that God had called from Egypt and had formed. Uh, this is a society that was meant to live and worship him uh, in Israel. Uh, yet this was a society that had drifted away from him. So any crisis would have shaken a strong community of believers. But these guys were not even strong in their faith. Uh, that is the crisis they find themselves in. And God wants to give them hope when times are tough. Uh, verse chapter 41, verse 10, again, these words are repeated. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you, and I will, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous, with my righteous hand. Um, on and on, we hear God saying to his people, although you have rebelled against me, although your sins have led you into this uh, problematic situation, I'm going to bring you back home. I'm going to bring you back uh, from a life of fear and a life of exile, and I'm going to gather you once again uh, into a, a community. Uh, now, that must have sounded to them like this this is hopeless. This is hopeless. There's no way God is going to restore us from this situation. There's no way God is going to restore a community of his people once again. But here's the thing, church. Uh, in times of hopelessness, in times where it feels like hopelessness, that there, there is, there's nothing else um, that's going to save you, God in those situations very often reminds his people of his power. Very often he wants them to look back at what he has done for them uh, in Egypt and remind them that he's the kind of God uh, who saves his people. And very often he will remind them that because he's that kind of God and because he's done it before, he can do it again for them. Uh, he brings hope in a hopeless situation. Have a look at verse 16 uh, and 17. As, and as you read that, notice the language that uh, the prophet uses. Uh, notice the language and just think about some of the Bible stories and what this language reminds you of. And thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea. Have you ever heard of that? I wonder what story is it, that is. Uh, who makes a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished quenched like a wick. Um, in this tough situation, God reminds them of another tough situation in the land of Egypt, another tough situation when God's people were living under an oppression uh, be, uh, because of a foreign, a foreign nation in Egypt. Uh, but God acted mightily. Uh, he did something impossible. He did something to them that they couldn't do it themselves. He rescued them by parting uh, the sea, and they passed on dry land. And what did he do? He destroyed God's people's enemies. Uh, and just like that, they were extinguished. Just like that, they were quenched like a wick. I don't know if you've ever seen um, a candle that you can simply just squash it. Um, he caused them to remember that. He caused them to remember that in the face of a superpower, which is Babylon, uh, in the face of danger, in the face of doom, where you're thinking this situation is hopeless. He gives them hope 
when the situation is tough. Have a look at verse 18 and what he says to them. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. So yes, I've done that in Egypt before, but do not cast your minds back to that. Remember not those things. Remember not the trouble that you're going through. Verse 19, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. You do not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and the rivers and uh, in the, de- the, des- the desert. The wild beast will honor me, the jackals and ostriches, for I will give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. God is saying, I'm about to do something new for you, Israel. Although your situation looks hopeless, I'm about to act. Remember, I acted in Egypt, but I'm about to do something new in your midst. I'm about to rescue you uh, from your crisis moment. The Bible is full of crisis moments. Most of the Bible is written to a people going through a crisis moment. Most of life in earth, on earth rather, and most of adulting is filled with lots of crises. Is that the opposite, uh, the plural of crisis? Church, are you still listening? Was the, was the plural of crisis? It's, it's crisis. There's a difference between crisis and matata. You know, I don't know matata how to translate that, but it is when you hold your uh, arms like this and say, man, life is hard. Have you ever been there? Of course, you spiritual, you've never been there. Uh, most of scripture is written to people who are experiencing crisis. And most of it is God trying to lift up their heads and to remind them of the kind of God he is. The God who rescues them. Whether we see that rescue, we see it in Exodus as he rescues his people. And I'm pretty sure that the writers of the story of Exodus didn't just write it to write it history, to write history, but they wrote it for us or for those people to remember the mighty acts of God. Uh, that he's a God who rescues his people, such that when they're going through a Babylonian crisis, not not Egypt anymore, God would remind them, remember what I did before? I can do it again. He gives them hope in a hopeless uh, situation. And any time he says, I'm making something new, it means that God is doing something new in salvation history. You'll remember, if you have time, to read Revelation uh, 21, and you see there again another crisis moment of God's people, Christians, who've come to believe in Jesus and are living in a Roman Empire. And John, as he writes Revelation, uses this picture of Babylon, this oppressive power, Uh, and uses a picture of God defeating Babylon to remind these Christians that God has acted before, not only in Egypt, but in destroying Babylon. Not only that, but he can act in this crisis moment. And so in Revelation 21, we see John seeing this vision of God doing something new, uh, of putting an end to the suffering of his people, of uh, helping them look at the acts of God uh, in saving them uh, through Christ uh, Jesus, their Lord. 
Uh, so anytime God says, I'm making something new, it marks a special event in salvation history. And for these people who are going through uh, oppression, it was a new hope for them, uh, a hope that somebody will come uh, to rescue you. Have a look at verse 6 uh, and 7, the language of gathering these guys who had gone far off into different lands into, into, um, into as a nation once again, and I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold, bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by name whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed and have made. God promises restoration. God promises uh, to bring back his people. We learn something of his character uh, right here in the scriptures. Although we ourselves are not facing an invading army, although we ourselves are not facing an exile, uh, being taken away from uh, our, our homes, but you and I share something with these people. You and I experience crisis moment, one, and you and I live in an exile, two. Uh, we live in a world that is hostile to God's people, and God would remind us that he's ushering us and he's bringing us into a community in the midst of that world uh, so that we would live for him and for his glory. He promises restoration, uh, even though the situation uh, looks hopeless. Uh, he gives us new hope when times are tough. Have a look at verse 14 again, the language of hope in a hopeless situation. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the one who buys you back from slavery. That is what the word to redeem means. The Holy One of Israel. For your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans in the ships in which they they rejoice. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. One of the things we, you see as you read through Isaiah is that God says that he's this Holy One, and he contrasts himself with the gods of Babylon, who looked more powerful than him. And he says, I'm the Holy One. I'm the one who redeems you. No one else can redeem you. Verse 16, thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, the same God who acted in Exodus, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse and army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished. Thus says that Lord, behold, he's creating a new thing. He's giving new hope in a hopeless uh, situation. That is meant for Israel as they're going through the hopeless situation. But it's also meant for us as we go into this year, um, it might be filled with a lot of joy. Amen. I hope that it's filled with a lot of joy. Amen. Um, many of us will experience lots of joy, but there will be challenging moments. And when challenging moments come, we remember the God of the Christian story, that he's the God who gives us hope. He's the God who walks with us in spite of our brokenness and of our sin. He's the God who is with us uh, even when times Tough. He's the God who's with them as they're going through uh, the waters. Uh, he's the God who is with them as they go through the fire. Please do not try this at home and at church. Um, but he's a God 
who's going to be with you, promises um, to be with you this year. Amen. That is our hope. That is the hope for God's people, and that is our hope. But this God not only promises that uh, to act, um, we're going to see even more and more what it looks for him to act decisively and to bring his people to himself. Where, in other words, what I'm trying to say is where, where do we ultimately see God acting? In other words, I'm saying, when you find yourself feeling like you are going through the fire or through the rivers and you just cannot uh, stand it, where is the one place that you look to to say, man, I, I know it's tough, but I can hold on to God uh, and I, I know this because he has done one, two, three. Where, where is that place? We, we're going to see as we get into point two. So the first point being that he gives us hope or he gives his people hope when times are tough. The second point being uh, that he gives us a new slate, a clean slate, in spite of our mess up. In spite of our mess up, in spite of Israel's mess up throughout scripture, we see the character and the nature of God that is a God who acts graciously towards them. He's the God who acts in spite of uh, this people's sin. Uh, he's the God who gives us a clean slate uh, in spite of our mess up. And I don't know what your 2022 look like, but we mess up, don't we? We mess up, don't we? Left, right, and center. We feel like, man, am I even a Christian? Am I even worthy to be called uh, the a child um, of God? Uh, if life was a series, our uh, series, our lives would be, I blew it. We blow it, don't we? Yet again, this is time and time again as you read the nature of the God of the Bible, you see that his people constantly rebel, yet this God is constantly gracious and constantly moves towards his people in loving kindness. Have a look at verse 8. Again, this definition, this um, description of these people who uh, have eyes but are blind, bring out the people, this is a court case, who, who are blind yet have eyes, who are deaf yet have ears. All the nations gathered together and, us, uh, and the peoples assemble. Whom among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right. And let them hear and say it is true. So he's bringing uh, his people to um, to court. Um, he's bringing them uh, and bringing witnesses to them to judge on their case uh, and to remind them of their brokenness and to remind them of their sin, to remind them of their blindness to the goodness of God in their lives. Verse 22, yet you did not call me, O Jacob. This is their stance. This is our stance. Uh, we are so much like this people of God. We see ourselves in their story as we read through the rebuke of the prophet um, towards this people. You see yourself um, in, uh, in them. Listen to how God describes uh, his people through the mouth of the prophet. Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have weary, you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not 
I have not burdened you with, with offerings or worried you with thankfulness. Verse 24, you have not brought me sweet cane with, uh, with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. Okay, so this, are God's people who are meant to bring their sacrifices to God, who are meant to serve Him. Uh, here they are finding themselves with a weakened faith where they stopped doing this. They stopped acknowledging God for what He has done for them and for their lives. Very often we find ourselves also in those situations as Christians where we don't acknowledge what God has done for our lives, um, where we complain more and more. And I think that's a nice gauge of whether whether you see the grace of God and the work of God in your life is how much you complain. Um, if you celebrate more and more what God um, does for you, it is a picture of faith. It is a picture of a recognition of who God is in your life and in my life. Very often we don't do that. Very often we find ourselves complaining. Very often we find ourselves thinking that being a Christian sucks God is not the ultimate one to give our glory. God is not the ultimate one to bring our praises to. Look at what we do to him. Look at what his people did to him in verse 24. But you have burdened me with your sins. Isn't that what we do to God? Uh, we Instead of bringing praise to him, instead of worshiping him and acknowledging him, uh, we burden him with uh, sins, you have worried me with your inequities. And this is God's people. Um, this is us right here in this story. And as we read this, we get a picture into us, who we are. Uh, but we also, this is why God brings or reminds us of our sins. In the Anglican uh, prayer book, which has shaped many of church worship, Every single gathering, you confess your sins. You acknowledge that you are a sinner. And every time there is an assurance from up front that when you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that to remind us and to remind you this evening that God doesn't bring this to his people so that's to burden them and say, you see, look at what you, what you do. Yes, he is saying that. He's reminding us of our sins, but he's doing something else on top of that. Uh, he's reminding us of his mighty acts upon our lives. Uh, God reminds us of our sins so as to help us to look to him who has blotted our sins away from us. Have a look at uh, the following verse, verse 25. This is who we are, verse 22 to 24. We pardon God with our sins, verse 25 till 28. This is the glory and the beauty of the Christian message, and this is what we come to celebrate even this evening as we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. This is the God of the Christian story. This is the God who speaks to Israel. Israel that has sinned. I, I am he, Yahweh, who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. What does God do there to these people? He cleans out their slate. He gives them a clean slate in spite of their mess up. Verse 25, who blots out your transgressions 
for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be, that you may be proved right. Verse 27, again, your fathers, your first fathers sinned and your mediators, those who are meant to be mediating God's presence, those who are meant to be priests, leading God's people to the worship of God, they didn't do that. They transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to reviling. And so we see God pronouncing both his mercy in verse 25 and 26. Do you see that? He blots out the transgressions of his people, and yet we see also God acting in judgment in verse 28, in bringing destruction to these people who have profaned uh, his name. Uh, So where else do we see that combination? Where else do we see the mercy of God blotting out people's transgressions and the punishment of God upon the sinful, sinful humanity? Well, those two things meet at the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, Those two things meet um, in the servant of the Lord. Not this servant Israel who is sinful, the servant who is called Jesus, who comes to be God with them, God with us. Um, The very reason we can say that surely God will be with me in 2023 is because Jesus came to life. Uh, Jesus was incarnate. Uh, Jesus lived a life that we were supposed to live. Um, Jesus embodied what it meant uh, to live for God. Uh, Jesus was uh, the one who pointed us uh, back to God. Yet at the cross we see something of the beauty of the Christian story. We see the grace of God. God has to blot out our transgressions. But God cannot let sins go unpunished. God has to punish sin. And at the cross we see those two things meeting. The justice of God, the wrath of God poured out on sinful humanity and the mercy of God in blotting out our transgressions. At the cross of God, we can look to Jesus and what he has done uh, to remember that this God indeed keeps his promises. Uh, This God who said to Israel that he's going to gather his people once again, he actually fulfills his promises Because historically, if you read throughout Israel's story, they never actually come back to become one nation. Yet in John chapter 1, we see John saying, uh, the Christ is coming um, in verse 23. John chapter 1, verse 23, we hear John, uh, John the apostle, John the Baptist saying these words, That I am he, he's quoting from Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord. And we hear this picture that Jesus is going to bring about this new exodus. What do we mean by that? Jesus is the one who is going to bring back God's people from all the areas where they scattered to bring them into a new community. How do we see that God fulfills his promises to blot out 
the transgressions of his people, to bring his people into a new community, we see that uh, in Jesus. We see that in the justice of God and the mercy of God meeting at the cross uh, of Jesus. And because of Jesus <laughs> coming into our world, because of Jesus who lived a perfect life, because of Jesus who was crucified on that cross, uh, because of Jesus who was raised again to life, as we confessed in the Apostles' Creed. Because of that, we can piece together a story, a strong narrative, that despite our brokenness, despite sometimes getting ourselves into messy situations because of our sins, uh, despite our rejection of God, God throughout history is faithful to fulfill his promises. What are his promises? To give us hope in hopelessness, that this world is going to be renewed. Sin will not have the last word. Amen. Not only will sin not have a last word, sin will not have a last word in your life. If you've come to trust in Jesus, this would be true of you, that your sins are blotted out, that you have a clean slate. As you start off 2023, what would, what a joy would it be to remember that yes, the new year feels like a fresh start, right? But our hope is not in that. Our hope is in the God who makes things new. Our hope is in this God who cleans out and wipes us, our slate out, who gives you a fresh start. Our hope is in this God of the Christian story, the God of second chances, uh, the God who's calling you this year to put your trust in him. Uh, whatever it is that you will go through, be assured that he's with you, not because of anything you've done, because, but because Jesus came. Uh, not only that, but if you mess up, or rather, let me say this, when you mess up this year, amen, when you mess up this year, you can stand assured that this God will blot out your transgressions and your sins away from you because of what Jesus has done for us. Church, this is our hope as we step into the new year. Um, I hope that you'll hold on to that, that you remember the God of the Christian story who was gracious to Israel despite their sin, who is gracious towards you and me in spite of our sin, uh, who was gracious enough to come into our brokenness um, in the form, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, to die a death that we deserve, uh, and to be raised again, and to give us this new hope that sin will not have the last say in our world and in our lives. Amen. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to come to a time of um, the Lord's Supper. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the Christian story that we see a glimpse of and a taste of it in the Old Testament as you engage with your people who are hard-hearted, um, who are rebellious. We see something of your mercy towards people like that. Father, if you can do it for them, what more for us? If you can do it for us when the Lord Jesus Christ, when we were your enemies, how much more will you do it for us as you call us your children? Lord, I pray for somebody 
this evening who may not be sure where they stand with you, who may not be sure whether their sin will crush them. I pray that they would take a step of faith and that next step uh, to trust in Jesus and what he has done for them. I pray that today they would rid themselves of their rebellion, uh, realize the coming judgment, and run to you, our Lord and our Savior. Uh, Father, I pray that as we kickstart this year, you would remind us that we have a greater hope, um, a hope in you, a hope in the God who gives us a clean slate. And so I pray that we would recommit ourselves to you, recommit our faith to you, recommit ourselves to working with you this year, and that when discouraging moments come, we would remember this that you told us, that we would remember um, that you uh, are this kind of God. And that we can stand, not because of anything in us, but because of who you are. Through Christ our Lord, we ask these things. Amen.